I'm wanting to talk about contending. And that it's not difficult and it's not hard. And when Jesus went to the cross and um, he said, it's finished. He really meant it. He said, it's finished. And he said, what is finished? And he said, what's finished is the barrier that's existed between God and human beings. What's finished is estrangement between the creator and his created. What's finished is this gap, this concrete wall. It's broken. I have done everything necessary on that cross and then through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I keep saying this, but the death and resurrection of Jesus is unique in all world religions. There is no other founder of a faith who died and rose again. That's why there's no shame in proclaiming Jesus to every other faith. To not do that is to actually leave people in places of condemnation or striving. Because every other faith talks about what you have to do to be acceptable. That's why it's good news for Hindus and Buddhists and Islamists. But you don't think it's good news. You only go for pluralism if you don't understand what Jesus has done. Jesus isn't one of many options. He is the great I am. He is God made flesh. And he said on the cross, it is finished. And then he came back when he rose from the dead and he appeared to over 600 people over six weeks. If you have illusions or you're delusional, 600 or 500 people don't usually have delusions. Not like that. And then those who began to follow him gave their lives for him. And people don't usually give their lives for a lie. A few crazy people will, but not the, the numbers that did in the, in the first century of the Christian church. And so you have to say to yourself, what is it that was finished and what is it that was opened? Because it's got to be more radical than many of our experiences which is, I believe in Jesus, but uh, i still got to struggle with this life. I mean, we spoke about concrete walls, and Jesus walks through walls. We spoke about facing death, and God takes away fear. The reality we're faced with is that we live in a life, uh, in a world that is full of death, is full of sickness, is full of uh, war, is full of ugly stuff. It's not going to go away. The early Christians were killed And God's favor was upon them. So what God was saying was finished was, what is finished is your suffering and enduring life on your own. What is finished is your struggle on your own to live this life. Because I have come into this world that you might know victory and you might overcome it. And that that screen that we had up there, that, that little clip was about somebody continually asking God for things and God saying, I'm here. But so often, if you're like me, you, you want, you, you've got to sort this out and then you can talk to God. You ever have that? I've got to do this and then talk to God. I keep saying to people, for instance, on Wednesdays here, because I notice it, you know, if there if are tasks to do here, my message to the church and to you, and if, you know, just take it as it is, is that Wednesday between 11 and 12.30, there are no tasks that are done around this building other than to come and pray and to come and share and open God's word because he is the rock of our salvation. So, personally, it doesn't matter to me how urgent anything is. I want to honor God by saying I'm going to lay aside whatever my urgency is to give you this time. And we're still learning how to do that because I've got to get this finished. 
Do you? This is a really cool talk. It is. You're no longer orphans, is what Jesus said. Because his disciples were terrified. Life was going turtle. I mean, it was going upside down. Everything was so cool, it became so bad. God understands. And he said, don't worry, I, 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 will, I have to do this. I have to go away. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to pour out my spirit. And you're going to find a, something changing on the inside of you that's going to rise up and give you a courage. As Glenda was saying, where it doesn't even make sense. But you're just going to know that you know that nothing can separate you from my love. So guess what? Even if things go bad and even if you die, it's not the end of the world. That is the Christian gospel. Too often we're trying to contend that circumstances will always change. They won't. Sometimes somebody said, I like this, they said, you know, when Peter was in the boat and he was, there was a storm and they were terrified, sometimes God calms the storm of the waves and sometimes he calms the storm of the fear amidst the waves. Whichever way God works, And we're wanting to be a church that bears witness to God's faithfulness, come hell or high water. And our testimony is that he is good and he is faithful, whatever happens. And that is not whistling in the dark. Let me read you some passages. John 14 is what I've just quoted where Jesus says, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, He says, do not let your heart, we, we've read this many times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Now, let me give you another phrase here. You know it well, most of us. Uh, Revelation 3 from verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. You don't want to remember that. That's not good. So be earnest and repent. Um, we are going to talk a little bit. Of, we do have something to do, by the way. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. If you go earlier in that chapter, Jesus says this. These are the words of him who is holy and true. It's to the, ver- to the church in Philadelphia who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. In the resurrection, God opened up heaven. God opened up the door. And what I want to just focus on is, so how do we enter into all that he's won for us and how does he lead us into that? Well, he gives us clues himself because he says in John 14, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to take you to be with me. Because in heaven there are many rooms and you've got a mansion and you've got a room. And we've said many times when God comes to take us to be with him, that is not really a funeral passage. God doesn't come to take corpses out of the morgue. Where does he live? He's meant to live in us. So he says, I come and I take you to be with me by meaning I'm going to... This actually came to me the other day, which was... If you let me come to your place, I'll let you come to mine. You see, first of all, God created the world and he created this universe and he gave us freedom, he gave us life, and we kind of trashed it. So he sent his son into the trash 
and said, this is what this is all meant to be about. And we killed his son and he rose from the dead and God said, I'm still not giving up on you. But if you let me into your heart, I will let you into mine. All I have is yours. But I stand at the door and knock. So I suddenly remember, you know, I, I wrote a song about this years and years ago. But I just want to remind one thing before. I'm going to sing a song and show you something that's really cool. This, this really struck me the other day in Acts chapter, eight, uh, Acts chapter 14. Paul is doing miracles. Paul, you know, was an intellectual, but he also uh, healed people because he realized that just words didn't help without action. And he's in Iconium, and he goes to Lystra, and there sat a man who was lame. He'd been, he'd been that way from birth, and he had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk, and the crowd basically went ballistic. Who is this? This man had never walked in his life, and now he was walking. And they start wanting to worship Paul. And there's this very moving moment, but when the apostles Paul and Barnabas and Paul heard that they were trying to sacrifice bulls to them, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. You see, there's an element of breakthrough happens when you hold in tension your humanity and the power of God. That we always will have our humanity, but we also are being gifted with the power of presence of God. So, this little song I wrote, it must have been 30 years ago, which is before half of you were born. Um, and it was about this theme, but after 30, 30 years, I finally came up with a more positive finish to the song. Because it used to end in a question. And because I'm old, I never remember the words. And the reason I sing it is because sometimes music gets in where, where uh, you know, my droning voice doesn't. So we want to try every angle. And as I said earlier, you know, this is all about, if you want to see God working, what I'm really saying today is, uh, in every wall he places a door. And you can try and walk through concrete and you can try and demolish concrete, but it's much easier to open the door. It really is. And so there's not a wall in your life where there is not a door. And rather like that guy on the video clip, God is always knocking. Because he has no favorites. And the thing is that he comes to meet us where we don't have any resources to help ourselves. got so many things to remember. Wake up, little child, your father is here, and he stands alone at your door. And he's knocking, will you let him come in, or shut him out once more? Yes, he knows your thoughts and your heart and your mind, but he loves you. Just the same, even though you reject him and try and disown him and often don't really know his name. 
Wake up, young man, for your father is here, and he stands alone at your door. He's knocking, will you let him come in, or shut him out once more? He has gifts and treasures beyond measure, and there's so much more in store. And he longs to give you much joy and pleasure. You're the child, you're the child he adores. Wake up, please listen, your father is here. And he stands alone at your door. And he's knocking, will you let him come in? Or shut him out once more? He has blood on his and thorns on his head I think there are tears in his eyes He's all battered and bruised Like he's come from the dead And he waits He waits Your reply He has blood on his hands And thorns on his head And I think there are tears in his eyes He's all battered and bruised Like he's come from the dead And he waits And he waits your reply how oh, he waits yeah he waits your reply as he waits waits your reply but I heard his knock and I heard his voice and I said won't you please come in and he came and he stayed and he called me his son and he made me very old. Yes, I heard his voice and I heard his knock and I said, won't you please come in? And he came and he stayed and he called me his own. And he made me his home. And he made me, made me his home. So, so let's talk about what that means very quickly. That's a step of faith. So when the slaves were set free from Egypt, they were given the promised land and they were told to walk into it. I will lead you. Trust me. Follow me. And what they did was, where they, they tried to enter Egypt, the, the promised land, they tried to receive their inheritance with a slave mentality. Because what they saw was scary, what they saw were giants, what they saw were things that were, didn't look that different. And so they defined their future by what they naturally saw, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness. It's exactly the same as what happens for us. God has said, I'm with you, all I have is yours. And if we try and take it naturally, we will never get there, we will just be religious. We have to allow him to lead us step by step into that future that he has for us by giving us renewed vision, renewed eyes. How does that happen? Well, guess what? You don't have to do it. We're talking a lot about contending for healing. Contending for breakthrough. I wonder what you're contending for today. A relationship. Addictions. Finances. Probably many, every person here has probably got something different. How's it going? You see, what happens if contending 
looks to everybody else like you don't care? What happens if contending looks to everybody else like you don't actually understand what's going on? Because you're dancing like calves. You see, if Jesus says that it's finished, then whatever you're contending for is, is finished. What does that mean? It means he's, in my strength you will find victory. In your own, you're just going to hit a concrete wall. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is an invitation of the risen Lord Jesus. That's often interpreted in Christian circles as that's the, you know, um, if you don't know Jesus, then uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you come up to the front and we'll ask him to come in. And that's one door. But in the house that is my house and my heart, there are many doors and there are cupboards and there are closets. And there is all many, 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 many doors. And what if God is all about opening every door in your house? And what happens if what you're praying for is something he's trying to answer, but he's still outside the room of that particular issue. And like the guy in the clip, I'm asking him for stuff and we, I won't let him in. Well, you're going to carry on being defeated for as long as that door remains closed. And because he has free will, you have free will. The reason for sometimes not seeing things answered or breakthrough is because you refuse to open the door. And then you blame God or you blame somebody else. It doesn't work like that. When God comes in, he loves you, he adores you. If you go into somebody's house and they say, don't go over there and don't go over there and don't touch that, what happens to you? You get a little edgy. And if that's how we are with God, we don't understand his love. And the way God begins to work out our salvation, the way he begins to work out life in us, is begins to just track through our lives and says, why don't you let me in there? You've got this addiction issue. And you keep praying to me for addiction and you go to meetings and you keep saying, Oh God, I believe in my higher power. And he says, well, the higher power's outside. His name is Jesus. He's trying to get in. But you won't let him in because it means you have to submit your will. Or you have to trust. That's why we need one another, by the way. Because one another, our responses... I'm passionate about this. The solo Christianity is absolute rubbish. It's from hell. I'll tell you why. Because you can know everything about God and Jesus, but it's only in community that character is formed. And character is what causes you to serve others. The hallmark of the Spirit living in you is what can I do to serve. So, lefties appeal for people to help with the youth. He should have so many that on Tuesday when I'm in here, he should come to me and says, I can't get over it. So many people volunteered. That's the hallmark of Jesus in you. How can I help? How can I serve? Even if it's inconvenient. Then you know that Jesus is alive. Because it doesn't matter how, you know, how much you know theologically. So many people are wasting so much time you know, dicing that silly argument. It's about how do I actually love people? How do I serve people? How does Jesus live in me? And so he's here today, and, and you were right. He has something for everyone. And it's all about what door is he knocking on. He is knocking on every single one of our lives right now. If you're like me, I kept let him knock for about six years while I told him what I thought of him or didn't talk to him. And it didn't help. He's very resistant. He's, he's tough. He's very compassionate. He's very tough because he doesn't betray truth. And he doesn't blink. 
but you love me. You understand what happened to me. You feel sorry for me. Look what they're saying about me. And he just kind of smiles. Says, there's the handle. You turn the music up. Can't hear it anymore. God never speaks to me. Why? Because you never shut up. You can't hear him because you're talking all the time. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's, he's wanting to come in and say, wherever it is that you're struggling, wherever it is that you need help, and even sometimes when you don't need help, he's just saying, let me come in and help you. And sometimes, you know, and that means everything. It might be in your work. It might mean your bedroom. It might mean your marriage. It might mean, it might mean your finances. It might mean anything because God has seen everything, believe me might mean you're struggling with pornography because there's a lot of that going on. And he's, he's, not, he's not angry with you. He just goes, you don't need to do that. But you know what? You're, it's much easier to deal with an addiction. Let's say it's pornography because we don't talk about that a lot. It's much easier because pornography is ultimately how can I have love and sex without relationship? And if I can't find the relationship, I'll make do. And it's easy to say to somebody... Stop doing it. But there's a spiritual, demonic issue to that and there's a valid need there. So it's far better to say, Jesus, will you show me your love so that your love will so rise up in me that those things become less attractive to me. Love casts out. Not condemnation. Not shame. Love. And Jesus is love. He loves you where you are. And so he knocks on the door and says, let me come in and help you. I don't expect you to sort your life out and then you come to the front door and say, Jesus, now you can come in. It's all cleaned up. He goes, no, it's not all cleaned up. It's all stuffed into other cupboards. It'll come out as soon as I'm not looking. But I've come to set you free. And freedom is a process. It's a journey that comes out of a place of victory. And he's won the victory. So, contending. Got to wind this up. Contending. You don't contend for healing against God. You don't say, oh God, please bring healing, please bring healing. God, please bring financial breakthrough. You don't contend against God because God's for you. Why would you be praying to God to do something? He's knocking on the door saying, I'm here. You contend with Jesus against the darkness. So if you can't get him in and he's not in with you, your contending is a waste of time. You can fast as much as you like. You can do all kinds of great spiritual things. But if he's not with you, you're just contending. Jesus, when we contend with Jesus, he just says, just let, know, know my love because I'll contend for you. He does the fighting, we do the resting. That's why in the midst of strife, peace is given. That's why in the midst of strife, joy is given and hope is given and healing is given. Does that make sense? So Paul says, I am only human, but in the spirit in me, that man can rise up and walk. Sometimes. It's a mystery. So a week and a half ago, I had the privilege of taking a funeral of Jeannie Hepner. I so always nearly say the other name. Um, Sinclair for Randy because we, we, we said goodbye to Randy 20 years ago Jeannie's first husband he died of cancer 
And he demonstrated a love for Jesus in the midst of that that still I'm reminded of sitting at his bed and he says, I can feel myself getting cold. And some of us were there. Um, And you go, why didn't you heal? And why didn't you do this, Lord? And you go, you know, I wasn't thinking of saying this, but if Randy was here now, he would say, man, I've had such a cool 20 years. You see, when Jesus says, I have a, a mansion prepared for you and it begins on earth, he just says, whether you're healed or whether you die, you're free. That's supernatural living. And it's not going to make sense to us. It's not going to, you can't work, it's very stressful trying to work it all out, because you can't. The only thing you can work out is God is faithful, God is good. In this life we have trouble, he has overcome the world, but he is with us in the midst of it all. And people will know that he is alive by the way that you live in the midst of stuff that kills them. That's it. So Jeannie's father died. He was 90, how many? Nearly 93. I never met him, but he sounds an incredible character. And he was, um, was uh, in the Air Force, and we talked about the Air Force. And I, I just had this illustration that I had to share with you because it fits into I could give this in any sermon, but it's just a cool illustration. He was in the, in the Air Force, and he flew bombers, and, uh, he, which is a terrifying thing to be in those bombers flying over and they, uh, he was a communications guy, right? And so behind him, he had this, this is this thing that I want to show you. I just think it's cool to give a sermon with a gun in my hand. Um, <laughs> he, he had this thing, and it was behind him in the plane. It's called a flare gun. And they were flying over the Atlantic, the Mediterranean. And they were, sh- they were, I think, involved in a battle with some, some German boat. And they got shot at and their, um, they would say their petrol, but we would say their gas containers were, were riddled with bullets. And basically it all leaked out and they had to crash into the ocean. And one of the gunner, I think, was killed. And the, the four others went down and sort of Ken, who came from Saskatchewan, apparently couldn't swim. And this was behind him. And he must have grabbed it. And they, they'd managed to throw the life raft out. And they, and they, took a, they managed to get into this life raft. And they, it was nighttime. And for the rest of the night, they were in this raft wondering what was going to happen. And in daylight, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm not making this up, but I don't know the time sequence. Um, they heard a plane, and so he fired the flare. And they didn't know whether it was a German or friendly. And it turned out to be friendly. And they were saved. So the one son at the funeral said, if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't be here. And the metaphor is, is almost obvious, but it's powerful. And that is, you know, our flare gun is the cross. And Ken... You know, he couldn't swim and he, he flew in this plane and this was bolted behind him in case of emergency. And as soon as the emergency hit, he grabbed it. Now, he could have said, I really believe in flare guns. I have a flare gun with me all day. But when they were in trouble, if he never pulled the trigger, they would have died. And I believe what God is saying to us this morning is, pull the trigger. I have given you a flare gun. There are many. There are actually, there's one in every room of your house and there's one in every cupboard. 
There's one in every place that you try and stash stuff or be independent of God. There's a flare gun. It's called the cross. It's called his spirit. And you can understand everything I've said this morning. But if you don't pull the trigger, nothing will happen. Because he values your will. And he will watch you die. He wept over Jerusalem said, I long that you would, but you wouldn't. God places a supreme value on our wills. That is why there is a part that we have to play, which is, if you're like me, that, you know, there's some things that are going on in your life that keep going on because you will not submit. And he's not angry. He just says, I will not answer this if this will not change. And submission means I trust you with my life. Submission means I trust you with the circumstance. Submission is about, Jesus, I ask you to come into the mess of this or the whatever the incompleteness of this is, and I ask you to make it more than I could imagine. And he says, I'd love to. I've actually been waiting for years. I've got all the answers to your prayers. Look, I can show that. We went through the Portman Bridge, and I got a toll ticket yesterday telling me how much I owed them with the date and the time. I think God's got that for our prayers. So, yep. You've prayed this 50,000 times, actually. Still couldn't get it through to you. Why? Because the door was locked. You actually have a part to play. You're asking me to do things that I want to do with you, not for you. So, let's stand and pull the trigger. This is the moment you don't want to leave the building. Like, if you leave the building now, you actually don't get anything. That's just a a comment. Because I'm fighting for your life. I'm fighting for breakthrough for you. And sometimes um, God uses bladders or devil uses bladders and he uses all kinds of things to get you out of sight. Just saying, Father, I bless you that uh, your love is passion for every single person here right now. I mean, there is nothing that you withhold. And so I just ask you to show each person where you're knocking if they don't already know. And I want to break the curses of fear and unbelief over our lives. That we would be able to trust you with our circumstances, with our futures, with our lives. You know, when God comes into homes, which is our hearts and our lives, he replaces the doors. He puts in sliding doors. So it's always accessible and always open. And that's the beginning of freedom. Where there's no fear in me. Jesus, you can... Come in. You can look over everywhere you want because I just want us to live in harmony. I want us to live as a family. I want us to live with freedom. So, Father, I pray that you enable us to pull the trigger where maybe something is waiting for our decision. And I just invite you to invite Jesus into places wherever it is you find yourself today, some places that are not resolved something that you're struggling with, something that you feel condemned by. Something. Sometimes you might feel so numb, you don't feel anything, that my words are just bouncing off, and you go, you know, I feel nothing. That's okay, he's knocking on nothing. Let me come into the nothing. Let me come into the numbness. Let me come into the cynicism. Whatever it is, just let me come in and I'll help you with it. So Holy Spirit, I just speak release into this body in the name of Jesus. Release into our lives, release into our hearts, release into areas that haven't changed for ages and there are secrets. But from you nothing is hidden and you do not bring condemnation or shame. 
You bring hope and joy. And I pray for breakthrough in this room today that will transform lives forever. I pray, Jesus, that we will open the door to you so that you can walk with us and we can contend with you against the things that are robbing us of our inheritance or of our life in you. And I bless what you want to do among us and what you have done and what you are doing. I bless that in Jesus' name. So if you know that you've opened a door, you just thank him. Thank him that he's in there. Like light has come in. Life has come in. Hope has come in. Victory has come in. You're going to work it out in these next days and weeks. Just bless what you're doing, Father. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Pull the trigger. Wherever he's showing you, pull the trigger. And Father, I thank you that you are faithful and kind. And we speak healing over bodies that need healing. We speak healing. There's no disease that God has not been, is not Lord over. ALS or cancer, there's no disease that he cannot heal. There is no disease. And we declare that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody who's got fallen arches. You've got issues with your feet and Jesus just wants to heal you. We just bless that, Father. Recreate those feet in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anything that you need healing from, just claim it right now. I don't need a word of knowledge. Just receive it from Jesus. Jesus, I invite you into my sickness. I invite you into whatever it is that I want to share with you. And I ask you to transform it from something heavy to something light because you are in it now. So as we break bread together, um, I just keep saying this to us. Let's not talk to each other during this time. It's a time that is holy. It's a time of ministry. We have coffee afterwards where we can talk to one another. Let's actually pray for God to just minister to us. If you need prayer for healing, then go and receive prayer for healing after you've received uh, the bread and the wine. Let's just receive from God and let's uh, open up these doors of our hearts that he might live in us. And uh, let's be inheritors of his kingdom right now. In Jesus' name.